I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News and author of the best-selling book, Breaking the News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Omicron might not be devastating the West quite yet, but the fear-mongering certainly has returned. Long gone are the days of two weeks to slow the spread. The authorities are recommending that you mask up your toddlers, even in your own home. Merry Christmas from the friendly fascists throughout the world. And could facial recognition tech be the next tool to enforce mandates? It's already happening in South Korea. They're testing it out right now. At least the far left New Zealand prime minister has okayed orgies to resume just so long as you're not copulating with more than 24 different partners at once. That is her firm recommendation. More Biden inflation numbers are out and they're even worse than predicted. What does this mean? Well, first of all, the Fed could raise interest rates. And second of all, it means we're going to have to talk a lot more about January the 6th or whatever else the Democrat media complex can use to try to change the subject. Maybe Mark Meadows' text messages or Trump's tax returns. Uh, all of that's on the table so long as the data that is affecting all of your lives is so bad. Uh, UC Berkeley is a new racial, cultural, economic grievance czar who's getting paid a cool $325,000 a year to hold listening sessions or something. And uh, of course, this fraud is something that the taxpayers are paying for. Andrew Cuomo's got to return his book advance. ESPN revives the Bubba Wallace, very fake news hoax. All that to come on today's broadcast. Plus, our guest today is Minority Whip Steve Scalise, a regular guest on the daily radio show, but a first time guest on the podcast. Uh, the Minority Whip will hear from him. But first, I want to tell you about AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. They're a conservative advocacy and benefits organization that has more than 2 million members and counting. AMAC has become one of the most important conservative groups in the whole country. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. So join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. Let's get into the news, and I uh, will start with uh, the coronavirus night. COVID nineteen eighty four is upon us yet again with the Omicron variant. Uh, even though everything we're learning about Omicron is that it is not particularly, um, uh, it is it is not the symptoms of it are relatively mild relative to past variants, though it is spreading incredibly quickly. Uh, and we are seeing some uh, major preparations by the White House for a tidal wave, is the way it's being described in January, suggesting that public health officials could get flooded with it. But you know, we're also getting reports that these symptoms aren't particularly bad. In fact, there's one official who had said, this is a government advisor in the UK, uh, that had suggested that it's actually like the flu. Now, for you Soros-funded freaks monitoring the show, I'm not a coronavirus is just the flu guy. So uh, by all means, you can stop typing. Um, but they are saying this variant in particular, and you know, it, it is 
uh, the sort of thing that could lead to afterwards potentially some more natural immunity amongst the citizenry. Uh, but this will not stop people from getting into a massive level of panic. Uh, perhaps the worst example I've seen thus far is Santa Cruz County in California, which is now, and this is not a joke, not the Babylon Bee, has issued mask mandates for private homes. That's right. So they got private homes, mask mandates going on. This has actually been in place for a while, but I still think that it's important to uh, point that out, that that's still going on uh, ahead of the Christmas holiday. And other states are bringing mask mandates back to two-year-olds and above, which is some of the most stringent that we've seen since the very beginning of the pandemic. And we're New York and California and others will follow where they will encourage you to wear masks on the inside, even of your house in some cases. Um, if you're not checking the VAC status of your Christmas guests, all of this very low success rate. This is not going to do a lot to prevent the virus. It might not do anything to prevent the virus, but it will do something that the uh, left does enjoy sometimes, which it will make your uh, Christmas a little more grinchier and a little more scroogier. And um, for point of clarity, you know, the first 90% of those stories, not the last 10% with the redemptive narrative. So, you know, it's important. The Grinch and Scrooge are trying to be great guys by the end. So, but the data is suggesting it's going to be a milder uh, variant, but it is better at evading the vaccines. One of the stunning headlines of the day was in Bloomberg, where there is, and I'll read this verbatim, so the Soros-funded freaks don't take me out of context, the J&J shot loses antibody protection against Omicron in study. I've also noticed that some people on the right like the Johnson Johnson vaccine, even though um, it does use uh, relatively recently in their research uh, fetal stem cells um, because they don't like the mRNA variant. Uh, you guys know in the, the, the little I've talked about the vaccines, um, I've said that all the doctors that have been giving me great information throughout the pandemic, um, regardless of their political position, many of them are hardcore Trump supporters. They all like the mRNA. They all think it's uh, brilliant, game-changing technology. Um, but a lot of people on the right don't like it for whatever reason. Uh, the J&J &J is one without that technology. And apparently this variant J&J uh, &J is not doing as well. But, uh, you know, we'll keep you posted on how that goes. But it is interesting that Joe the Biden, President Joey, who said multiple times, I think about 10 times in total, uh, starting last year, that we're going to shut down the virus, uh, is now beginning to shut down Christmas parties due to the virus. Uh, over or a year after he was elected. So the White House has canceled Christmas parties, and they're doing this, though, after they hosted a holiday bash just for Democrats. Not at the White House, to be clear, but they had a down the block. They had hosted Democrats for Christmas party, and now they're going to be severely limiting the White House Christmas celebrations, um, and they're going to be limiting them because of Omicron. Even though, again, presumably folks are vaccinated and we are just doing this thing where we are living in this in this uh, we're doing this live action role play where what if we can just stop living our lives and maybe the virus will go away. Uh, that has just not proven to be the case. In fact, we kind of learned that the lockdowns meant that a lot of the people who were most vulnerable were trapped in the home with people who were pretty good vectors of the virus. And uh, that was not a good thing overall. But hey, uh, we're just winging it now. We're just purely in wing it mode. The leader of New Zealand is a far leftist named Yacinda Ardern. Uh, I will tell you that Frances Martel, our world editor, Breitbart News, regards her as the worst leader of the 200 
ish leaders in the in the world. Literally number one uh, on her uh, power ranking list, she is dead last, and she has given the go ahead in New Zealand to engage in orgies, but only orgies up to twenty five people. This is not a joke. Yet again, we get a clip of this. Play uh, clip eight, Haley. I can confirm that that Tinder liaisons have reopened. <laughs> Great news for my friend. It's not it's not strictly embedded in the traffic light system, but um, it is a given up to 25 actually in a red area. Right, well, <laughs> I, no, stop! Stop! <laughs> no, no, we are going no further on that line of questioning. Yeah, so that means if you uh, organize an orgy online, uh, just you know, cap it at 25. So what is it? Is this the greatest crisis of our time or is it a big joke, coronavirus? Do we now have orgies with 25 people? And why 25? What a sense of humor. Um, something not funny, South Korea is tracking coronavirus patients with facial recognition software. So if you don't think that uh, this will come here, it will. South Korea is a far left a part of the world as well. Um, South Korea benefits by having the ugliest friend in the world standing next to them at all times in North Korea, where it's communist, and South Korea at least is, is a free state. Um, but it is a left-wing place, and in the left-wing place, they will now be using uh, coronavirus um, patients will now be tracked via their face, which is also interesting because they got masks on, and I, can you not evade the face recognition AI with masks and uh, you know put some sunglasses on, et cetera? Kind of odd, but it does show you where this is going and where the totalitarian state, and not really just the state, sometimes the super state, the EU type stuff, that is where this is all going to head. So this is why I'm saying that it's very important for people to resist, if at all possible, using your vaccine passports, even if you're vaccinated, um, which is I have not shown a passport and I don't intend to unless it's a, you know, a hospital or an airplane or something that, you know, there's it's kind of hard to avoid. Um, but that's about it. Like and that, and you can't do it to get a ham sandwich or to use your gym or stuff like that. You just can't. What's the trendy food right now? I would say avocado toast, but that's sort of passe. I need to come up with a more specific food other than my ham sandwich when I'm referencing what it, what you need a vaccination to acquire if you're in, let's say, New York or Los Angeles. Um, the UK put out a study suggesting thousands and thousands of cancer cases have gone undiagnosed due to uh, the government's vaccination push. So this isn't just people who were already spooked during the pandemic to not go get sometimes vaccines that we know work for sure work and have been around, uh, not get checkups on certain things. People are getting odd doses of various treatments because they don't want to go into the hospital or the doctor's office as often. And now we're learning that still that due to the uh, lockdowns over vaccinations and the severely limiting of uh, mobility due to vaccinations uh, in the UK, because a lot of people don't want them, just like in much of the rest of the world, not a lot, not everyone wants them. Um, that people are missing cancer diagnoses, which is a missing cancer diagnoses is often a death sentence. Catching cancer at this point in time, and I can't speak for the uh, UK socialist healthcare system, but the United States, you catch cancer early, and aside from you know a few types of cancer, you have a very good chance for a long uh, for a long life afterwards. As be as easy of a life might not be quite as long of a life, but you have a chance for a long life. And again, I can't speak to, you know, some acute leukemias, pancreatic cancer, some of those, are, you know, it's very, very, very unlucky. But a lot of cancers, you catch them, then you can live and you can live for 
almost your full life expectancy. You know what's a good way to not live your full life expectancy? Uh, not catching it because you have been restricted in your ability to move and get to hospitals for treatment because of your vaccination status. So this, ultimately, what is the goal here with the vaccines? Is it to make America more healthy or is it control? Or I'm sorry, with the vaccination uh, passports, et cetera. I think it's clearly about control, which is why even though I believe in the vaccines to a degree, I don't believe in the passports at all. Um, also in the UK, Omicron hospitalizations were originally reported 250 and they were revised down to 10. It's another one of these things where you just don't, it's a, when the lockdowns go into place and people start the panicking and people start the media cycles over it. And then you have these massive reductions in how many cases or hospitalizations. The hospitalizations is the number, is a number that matters because you don't want the healthcare system overwhelmed. The main number that matters, of course, is deaths because people do get sick. And now getting severely sick is not good. I mean, it's you don't want to be in a ventilator. All that's bad. It's expensive for and it is also uh, reduces quality of life. It will reduce life expectancy long term. All that's bad. But really looking at severe hospitalizations and deaths. And when we're getting overreported numbers by 2,500 percent in parts of the world, it makes the whole system seem like, well, then what do we trust? It's very hard to know what to trust. I would like to think I've been trustworthy on it, but I think the vast majority of public spokespeople have uh, uh, gotten so many things wrong on this. In the meantime, the White House has defended that there are Americans that are still being left behind in Afghanistan. A good reminder, uh, just one of these narratives that you knew it would go away, but 400 Americans at least were left behind in Afghanistan and the White House argued on Tuesday that uh, government officials did not use tracking software to monitor them. And the White House defended all of this in a statement that they released saying fewer than a dozen Americans are still trying to leave Afghanistan nearly four months after the Taliban seized control of Kabul. But it did acknowledge that the Biden administration had pulled out with 490 Americans still left behind. So Biden lied at the time and said it was only 100 to 200. Anyone, um, uh, is anyone surprised that Biden underestimated those numbers? So he did not have an accurate count, and now he's claiming there's only a few dozen who want to get out now. Why should there be even one? That's my question. And then number two, well, why isn't he lying now? If we know he lied about how many were there to begin with, why wouldn't we think he's lying now? And this is why you see stuff like the obsession over January the 6th, because there's so many bad news cycles out there for President Joey, the Let's Go Branded administration. So the White House is planning a big January the 6th commemoration on, uh, coming up when the anniversary takes place. There's no question we'll commemorate that day, Jen Psaki said. Bet you can't wait for it. I bet it'll be like a birthday party because it was a big gift, of course, for the left. It gives them what they need to distract us from what's truly going on. Quote of the day had to be from former Senator Barbara Boxer, who was on where else but MSNBC with the great Ari Melber. Another one of those guys you could tell is pretty smart and then just sold his soul and became very clownish on MSNBC. It's a, I don't know, people get lower, they get suckered into the uh, seeing your face on TV and getting paid a lot of money. But she said, if Trump could stop the January 6th riot, it proves he started it. <laughs> now that's some logic for you. That logic is worthy of Democrat senators. If Trump could stop it, proves he started it. That is a brain twister. She's referencing some of these tweets that Liz Cheney released, private tweets, of people urging Mark Meadows to try to get to Trump, to get him to either address the nation from the Oval Office or at least make sure 
that the people participating in the January the 6th riots uh, stopped. And uh, Meadows was held in contempt yesterday by the Congress, which they already did that with Steve Bannon. It's just a way of keeping the focus on January the 6th. Meadows is very defiant, and Matt Boyle's a great write-up of a speech Matt, um, uh, Meadows gave yesterday. The, this was at a gathering in Georgia of the state legislature branch of the Freedom Caucus, which has just launched. We have a big write-up of this. It's something that's very encouraging, something I like a lot, is that the Freedom Caucus is trying to expand to uh, uh, state houses. Because, again, how much can they really accomplish at this moment in the Congress, not a lot, because the Democrats still have control. As narrow as it is, they can do a lot of defense, but, but they can do offense in some of these state houses. So that's the plan, and I love that plan. And um, we have a big write-up of that as well. But Meadows gave a big speech, um, and he was kind of defiant of the contempt vote. He, he'll achieve more folk hero status because of this. But anyway, he was urged by people like Donald Trump Jr., some Fox News hosts, etc., Laura Ingram comes to mind to urge Trump to get out there and kind of condemn the riots right away. And uh, I, I give this a collective who cares. But uh, the Democrats think this is the biggest thing ever, as does the establishment media crowd who can't stop talking about it. So that's what's going on in your Congress, where while Americans strand in Afghanistan, Biden inflation goes on, etc. Border remains open. Still focused on January the 6th. Um, Joel Pollack has a very important piece where he holds in contempt the Democrats and a couple of Republicans who voted for to hold Meadows in contempt. And uh, he points out that the tweets that Liz Cheney released or read aloud, whatever it was, make it clear there's actually no plot by Trump and his allies to mount an insurrection because you could see Trump's allies were fr- frantically trying to tell the chief of staff that Trump has to stop it. He has to shut it down. So it wasn't some sort of a grand conspiracy that was going on. And there's a lot of discussion that day whether or not more need to be done to stop it amongst Trump's most fervent supporters. But we all know it's a big distraction. A lot of distractions are necessary so Democrats can keep passing stuff. So they passed their debt ceiling increase by, by, by bypassing the filibuster yesterday. $2.5 trillion more of the debt, which will function as a blank check for Democrats to spend more of the money we have not yet earned yet. And you've not yet earned, but you will earn. You will earn it for them. 50 to 49, any shock uh, with that, that number? That will uh, mean that it will move to the House where it will, of course, pass automatic and then go to President Brandon's desk and uh, it will pass. So that ceiling will go up and then we will be just a little worse off than we were before. Um, Producer price index, big number that came out yesterday, record 9.6% increase, which is even worse than expected. I've been saying this, all the evidence is mounting that the Biden inflation is even worse than people expected. Remember, six months ago, people were acting like it might not even be real. And then they were acting like it was transitory. And then now we're seeing record numbers that are exceeding expectations. So what this will mean is it'll be interesting to see if the Fed now has to raise interest rates. And that will be, there'll be a discussion of that um, today, I believe, at the Fed. Jerome Powell, I think, is going to give remarks today if um, memory serves. And then we will get a take on whether or not the inflation will lead to a uh, interest rate hike, which will take money out of the economy, which will slow down inflation, but it'll also probably slow down the economy a little bit. So that is interesting because the White House is going to have to risk that. They're going to have to risk slowing down the economy because of the inflation concerns, because we have a lot of employment right now. But politically speaking, 
as a selling point to the public, it is not uh, a, what it was that people have jobs. People have jobs. The problem is the jobs aren't getting them very far. And, you know, I know the discussions in my household have begun with what we got to do because we're all a little poor, thanks to President Brandon. We are. We're just, if everything keeps costing more, then all of you are poor because your wages are not going up commensurate with the inflation. And there's no suggestion that the inflation will get better anytime soon. And so if the Fed might choose to do something about it, it'll be interesting to see if that puts the Biden administration in a precarious position because it is for them not to say they have complete control over this because they don't, but it'll put them in an interesting spot because if the rates go up, it will slow inflation, but also probably slow the economy as well. But their priorities are pretty, pretty clear here that it is the racism of our, of our land that is going to be the focus here. Biden administration and California lawmakers have moved to eliminate racist highways. Not a joke. Penny Star's written this up for us at Breitbart. The idea that some U.S. highways were built to hurt minority neighborhoods is not new, but in 2021, they're getting new attention from both the Biden administration and a state legislator in California who want a law to prevent freeway expansion in certain areas of the state. Someone called Liam Dillon, a reporter for the Los Angeles Times, investigated whether people were displaced to build roads, uh, said on government-funded national public radio that the point of this a new initiative called Reconnecting Communities, a billion-dollar program. Part of the Build Back Better Act is to potentially tear down freeways and sort of address some of the harms from racist planning decisions with respect to where freeways were cited in the past and sort of reconnect as the program states. But you know the amount, again, only $1 billion sort of pales in comparison to the potential hundreds of billions of dollars that are essentially unrestricted where state transportation departments could use it to further expand freeways and in many cases continue to displace families. NPR, LA Times, Biden administration, California legislatures coming together to fight the racism of our roads. Could make the America a much better place. That's the case. Uh, is there, how many people even who are in the super woke left are more concerned about racist highways than they are about uh, the, the massive increase in what it costs to be an American right now? Everyone is a victim now. This has been the theme lately on the broadcast. UC Berkeley Vice Chancellor of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Belonging, and Justice. So they added belonging and justice. Earns $325,000 a year, and her job is to battle systemic oppression. New Vice Chancellor of DEIBJ, UC Berkeley, my alma mater, gets $325,000, which is a lot of money, to perform duties such as battling injustices, systemic oppression, racism, sex, and all sexism, all those things. She said recently in an interview with The Skim, this lady named Dania Matos discussed her new role. She says her identity is Latina. Oh, good, not Latinx. She's firstborn, raised by a single mom, and she's dealing with the emotional toll of doing the DEIBJ work and that she is dismantling systems of oppression. She also is an advocate of mindfulness breathing. Wow. Sounds like a deep person. Good priorities. So she's going to be having some listening sessions with student, faculty, staff, and campus partners. There was a, uh, a, there was a lot of oppression on the UC Berkeley campus when I was there 15 years ago. It really was. Not a lot of inclusivity if you're a right-winger. So I assume she'll be reaching out to the College Republican Club right away. 
getting shouted down by the communists from the communist bookstore. You want to have an event. The literal communist bookstore. I'm sure they'll be top on her list. All right, some happiness. Um, my narrative that Hunter Biden is just a the most clever person in uh, America is, uh, I think, coming in into full focus. I think people are getting it now. He has said now that he embraces art for art's sake and has no interest in making money. Guy that flew all around the world, leveraging his name to make millions of dollars, cutting deals with the Chinese, cutting deals with the Ukrainians, getting involved in business he had no business dealing with, bringing in the big guy for a 10% cut, now, all of a sudden, he's playing into this phony baloney, humble ethos and how much he loves painting, even though he won't disclose who's paying for his art. Obviously, it's going to be foreign people who want to curry favor with his family. And he had a Manhattan gallery show where he wasn't there to sell his art. People were going, wow, at his art. And that was the reward. He proclaimed on Thursday that it was courageous to sell art to anonymous investors for $500,000, which is what he did. You got to admit, he's had more fun than the rest of us. He's an inspire. He's an inspiration in a lot of ways. He's an inspiration. He is. Has anyone been this clever to bilk the American public in plain sight? No. He embraces art for art's sake, where he gets paid half a million bucks by anonymous donors to the Biden family. Um, CNN does not seem to be happy with the Bidens. They've put out a story showing that eleven candidates could replace Joe Biden on the ticket in twenty twenty four as concerns about his age and lack of popularity rise. So clearly they're not they're doing this because they're not happy with him. Jeff Zucker is a dirty dog over there, and I'm sure that this was um, uh, something that he's comfortable with. So they float a bunch of names, and many of them are familiar to you. A couple are probably less familiar. And uh, they don't include Hillary Clinton, who's my front runner, which is interesting. She's definitely the front runner, I think. Uh, right now for 2024. I think it's close. I think Pete Buttigieg, Kamala, Joe, they're in there. Stacey Abrams, who they have as 11th on this list for whatever reason. I think those are your top five. There's some others that'll run. Klobuchar, Warren will always be running. Um, Whitmer, you know, wants to run. But there's a but the fact that CNN's out there and uh, openly stating this is clearly because somewhat they feel wronged by the brand administration. I wish I knew why CNN felt wrong, but they do. I think they feel like they've uh, gone under the bus in a lot of ways. And the fact that Kamala Harris isn't, isn't a shoe-in is because her agenda is not going well. The, you know, with the border in particular, she is fighting with other people in Biden's cabinet. Apparently her work environment's not very good. She's having some turnover in her office at a pretty rapid rate. And she's spending her time on, quote, restructuring the economic system to ensure equitable distribution. Not necessarily what people want to hear right now uh, and the as they break bread at their dinner tables trying to rebalance their budgets due to the Biden inflation. She was speaking at a forum hosted by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. We have a great photo of them together at Breitbart where a Yellen is speaking with no mask, even though Yellen's old. Kamala Harris, youngish, seems healthy, standing right next to her with a mask on because we're a very pro-science society. Some of these designs were just designed not to benefit the people that we're talking about, future President Camellia says. Then she paused. Then she said, or the better way to say this, it was designed to benefit other people, she said with a laugh. Wow, brilliant woman. It's not only about a state of mind in terms of this new approach, it's about restructuring a system. 
And the goal is to eradicate the rate, the racial wealth divide by ensuring equal access and equitable distribution of resources. A noble goal, and I'm sure she'll be successful at it. A couple other quick ones. The New York State Ethics Committee has ordered Andrew Cuomo to refund $5.1 million for a coronavirus book deal he got. A truly insane number in the publishing world. I have to say, the amount of copies they were betting on if they were being genuine to make that worth Cuomo's while is, you'd have to guess, it's in the hundreds of thousands range for them to get that sort of math. I think that that would be probably something like 800,000 or so maybe to break even, I want to say, ballpark. And uh, again, this math is just kind of quick off the top of my head, which of course was never going to happen. He probably sold uh, less than 100,000 total copies. So it's a slush fund. And this is what the publishing industry can still get away with for a lot of ways, a lot of reasons. And uh, interestingly, the New York State's Ethics Committee on Tuesday ordered Cuomo to refund the $5.1 million dollars. And I think that this actually is the fact that this was ordered by the state ethics committee is just truly remarkable. Uh, Letitia James, who's the New York attorney general, also is saying that now we need to follow California's lead and allow citizens to sue gun sellers and gun makers. So this is a way to uh, work with the system to erase the Second Amendment without erasing the Second Amendment. Very scary stuff. And it's happening at a major level throughout our states now. And they're going to use the Texas abortion law as a blueprint, as we've discussed on the show a number of times. Uh, ESPN has repeated the lie that someone put a noose in NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace's stall. This is something that has been uh, documented and debunked in my book, Breaking the News. Great Christmas gift for one and all. But ESPN tweeted, and this was yesterday, Last year, a noose was found in Bubba Wallace's stall at Talladega Super Speedway. It's not true. It was a garage door pull. The next day, the NASCAR community stood with him in unity. It was like, holy S-H-I-T. It's the whole garage. That's when I lost it. They said, quoting someone, we don't know who. I'm guessing it's Wallace. It's not true. It's all all big hoax. It's the latest of a series of very fake noose hoaxes. Quick break. Be right back. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting expensive. We're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with the government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years, and inflation is here to stay. And if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market and into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660 or text Alex to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660 or text Alex to 65532 for American Hartford Gold.
Our guest today is Minority Whip Steve Scalise. He's a Republican from Louisiana and a frequent guest on the live broadcast Breitbart News Daily, which airs every weekday morning on Sirius XM 125, the Patriot Channel, 6 a.m. Eastern. And on the SXM app, you can get the full three-hour show if you're so inclined, and I certainly recommend it. And we get into uh, what it is that the Republicans are up to right now. Of course, they're I think, trying to raise awareness about some of the massive spending and the debt ceiling increase, as well as Biden sort of lacking a plan to deal with the Biden inflation, the immigration crisis, drugs flowing across our border, et cetera, instead of focusing on January the 6th. Uh, always interesting to get his take as someone with a, a lot of power within the Congress. Let's hear from Minority Whip Steve Scalise. I want to ask you about the priorities that are obviously differing from your side of the aisle on the Republican side and what the Democrats are up to these days. Uh, it is around the clock, nonstop, January the 6th conversation. Is there anything productive coming from this? Is there anything that isn't purely just trying to distract the public from the real business that needs to be going on? Uh, what's happening? Now, if you look at Speaker Pelosi, President Biden on down, I mean, they just are, are so infatuated with spending money, raising taxes, and it's not billions of dollars it's trillions of dollars in taxes and spending and look people across the country get the problems we're facing inflation's the biggest problem you know all of these other things that are happening within our economy are all driven by the really bad far left big government socialist decisions being made in washington and they won't confront any of those challenges they're not doing anything to deal with inflation gas prices uh, you know all of the crises at our border foreign policy, the debacle from Afghanistan to what's going on in Russia, China, they won't confront any of it. Uh, But all they want to do is keep going after President Trump, you know, continuing to encourage all these mandates, uh, states that are shutting things down. You can see it all coming back again. And families across the country are saying enough of this madness. I mean, did you not see what happened in Virginia? Uh, And it wasn't just Virginia. We saw what happened the truck driver in New Jersey, in, in New York State, we had a major revolt against this big government socialism, and they keep doubling down because Pelosi uh, is just concerned with appeasing their far-left radical base. Well, it seems like a lot of it is also trying to control the media cycle as best they can, which is getting harder to do as we see some of the inflation data in particular. Now we have supply chain wholesale inflation at 26 0.5%, which is uh, the highest in uh, over 40 years, which basically means, I mean, at that point, it's hard to make an apples to apples comparison. So it means arguably some of the highest ever. And um, we're seeing this huge increase in prices of things like meat and gasoline. And uh, it just goes, the producer price index at a 9.6%, which is uh, higher than expected. The data is just so beyond horrible. So is there any effort being made to deal with this? Is there any strategy or is it simply just trying to continue to pass trillions of dollars of spending? Is that the only plan? It, their only plan is to just keep spending more money. And, and this is all, again, I mean, you can go see how it's inf- impacting inflation. Uh, any economist you talk to is going to tell you, I mean, inflation is just too much money chasing too few goods. And their answer is just to keep spending more money. And you, you look at even the, the infrastructure bill, quote unquote, where, you know, maybe a third of the bill is infrastructure. You know, so you've got hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars in that bill that had nothing to do with infrastructure. 
And then you add on top of it, you know, the four and a half trillion dollar bill, whatever it ends up looking like when it, if it comes out of the Senate, you know, let's all pray that it fails in the Senate if just one Democrat votes no. But what they're really talking about is, you know, maybe a trillion and a half in new taxes. And watch the media. If they agree to this bill and say, oh, it's only going to be a trillion and a half, and they're going to sell that as some kind of great moderate compromise. For goodness sake, I mean, a trillion and a half in new taxes and new spending would be devastating to our economy. It would kill millions of jobs. It would drive inflation even higher. And the media would applaud that as a compromise. The White House would would celebrate that. And, and families would pay the price. And they're paying it already. They're saying enough already. They don't want more spending. And these are, look, liberals in Virginia voted against Terry McAuliffe because they didn't want the big government socialism. They didn't want government control and uh, what they can do in, in their involvement with their, their kids. Uh, they, they, this is what's really going on, and they're coming our way more and more. Uh, it's just how much more damage is going to be done between now and next year when we have the midterm elections. We are heading in towards the midterm elections, and it just seems like the next thing, though, uh, up on the agenda for this year at least is Build Back Better. Or what do we know about what's actually in Build Back Better, aside from the sort of uh, confusingly semi-stupid uh, name of it? Oh, what's in it? Uh, do we know everything? Do we know the whole bill? Is Do people really understand what the, the ultimate goal is beyond a massive amounts of spending? Yeah, we, we know it's massive amounts of spending. It's changed many times. What hasn't changed is that it's a lot of new social, big government socialism uh, spending programs. It's paying people not to work, uh, paying people uh, for it's like this whole idea that the government's going to take care of everything you do, even if you don't want to work. And then they do the Green New Deal. And again, you think about gas prices right now. And it's all it's all based on on this idea that fossil fuels are evil. Well, even if you look at what they're doing with this move towards electric vehicles, you only get the incentives if, if it's union built vehicles. So they're not even saying all electric vehicles. But most cars, by the way, about 95 percent of all the cars on the road today are not electric vehicles. So you're going to have the bulk of people in America today paying to build charging stations for about five percent of the vehicles on the road. And I hate to tell you, those charging stations, you're not plugging your car into a tree. Uh, they're going to have to get the energy from somewhere. And typically it's fossil fuels that drive the electricity that runs your household. So where are you going to get that energy from to charge up your electric vehicle if you're getting rid of fossil fuels? And it's all under this guise of saving the planet. And they exempt China from the impacts of all of this stuff. China is loving this, by the way. This is a gift to China because it shuts down the American economy. And I'm talking about the Green New Deal, uh, where America, we were reducing carbon emissions under Donald Trump. Uh, we were energy dominant under Donald Trump, making cleaner energy here in America, where we didn't need to go to OPEC, uh, where we didn't need to go to Russia. We could actually help our friends geopolitically around the world. Biden comes in, kills the Keystone Pipeline. Those are American jobs. But he greenlights the Russian Nord Stream uh, 2 pipeline, uh, kills production on federal lands in America, but then begs OPEC to produce more oil over there. And they, again, they emit more carbon when they produce more oil in Saudi Arabia, in Russia. So if you want to save the planet, you ought to be making more things in America, not less things in America. And you sure don't exempt China from whatever you do, because they're the ones who are emitting all the carbon. 
Uh, so it's it's the science, by the way, doesn't add up with what they're doing either. But they don't care because it's become some kind of cult religion for the Democrat Party just to do this, even if it wrecks the economy and destroys the planet, because they're going to end up with higher carbon emissions and China is going to dominate the world. Congressman, did you see any political calculus here where this makes sense? Because if you look at what are the problems really facing our country, not enough charging stations at luxury shopping centers is just not going to be in anyone's top 100, even if you're a, a green radical. So I just don't get why this seems to be their focus right now, other than, you know, the, the, making every day January the 6th. I, I don't get it. It just doesn't seem like this is going to solve any of the issues that are going to cripple the Democrats come election time next year. Right. And what makes it where people get that this is going to make it worse. They know that if you spend trillions more, it's going to make inflation worse. And inflation yeah. is their biggest problem. They're telling Washington. It is. It is their biggest inflation. problem. Oh, by the way, you know what else is in the bill? 87,000 more IRS agents. <laughs> I have not gotten yeah. a single call to my office since I've been in office from anybody saying, hey, please add more IRS agents, let alone doubling the size of the agency, not to go after the millionaires and the billionaires. It's to go after hardworking families, people yeah, making working middle class for $70, sure. $70,000. Those yeah. are the ones that will pay for this. Of course there is. Yeah, exactly. Because the, the millionaires and billionaires will just get more organized. And it is the, it's the people in the working middle class backbone of the country that will be the ones who will pay more. And that is... Uh, they're comfortable with that. I, it's become very clear to me that the mainstream Democrat party is not really interested in protecting the middle class. Um, I'm sure we could go on with that for a very long time, but it, it just is very clear. All the evidence suggests that, that almost all of these policies are affecting those two classes in particular. And, you know, the this is something that is, of course, that position is completely disenfranchised by the establishment press, but sorry to pontificate there, Congressman. I, I want to turn back to the debt ceiling for a moment here, um, where the Democrats are going to have bypassed the filibuster in the Senate, and they're now raising the uh, debt ceiling. How did they accomplish this? I know you're on the House side, but how did they accomplish this, and what does it mean? Well, you saw yesterday about $2.5 trillion of additional debt was approved. Uh, and, and look, this is for spending that's already been done this year. That doesn't even account for the trillions more if they pass this the bill back broke, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, says that it, it would add another $3 trillion to the debt on top of the $2.5 trillion that they just added last night. And, and look. You listen to all the Democrats from President Biden on down. They keep saying it won't cost anything. Everybody in America knows it's going to cost something. You spend four or five trillion dollars in new government programs. Of course, it costs something. And by the way, the people that pay that cost are going to be the working class, the middle class. People know that and they know that they're being lied to. Yet President Biden keeps saying it. You had Democrats on the House floor over and over saying it when all of the independent experts are saying it's going to maybe cost $3 trillion more in debt. And yet on the floor of the House yesterday, they're saying, don't worry, it won't cost anything. Well, well, if it didn't cost anything, you, you, you'd you go, well, why stop at $4 trillion if that's their attitude? People get this stuff. They're, they're not going to be fooled by what these big government socialists are saying and doing, but they keep doing it anyway because they're doubling down because they know, look, if we lose power next year, they want to just keep putting as much of this garbage into law that they can between now and then people need to be on the phones calling their senators because look one democrat senator if you're in a state that has a democrat senator 
just one of them voting against this build back broke agenda and it's dead and so call your senator engage right now engage in the next few weeks uh, congress will be out for about the next three weeks there's an opportunity for people to get involved in their government and make a difference like people did in virginia people in virginia didn't say hey look this is a blue state there's no way you're going to elect a republican uh, they they got involved they they worked on ballot integrity by the way uh, and what you saw was a, a revolutionary result where people People got involved and they made a difference. They took their state back in Virginia. It can happen across America. Uh, Mitch McConnell allowed for a one-time rule change to bypass the filibuster, to pass the debt ceiling on the Senate side. Uh, why, why would he do that, and what do you think he got in return? I'm not really sure what, what they got in return. I mean, obviously, you know, when you look, we, we oppose that on the House side. Uh, but in the end, when you when you look at where the Democrats are in spending, uh, they were going to find some kind of way to just keep raising the debt ceiling to keep rate to keep spending more money. Look, President Trump got three different agreements on spending caps to try to start getting spending under control in Washington. Uh, they're not engaging in any discussions with Republicans right now to do that. I sure haven't seen it. And you're not seeing it from the policies they're moving. And at some point, Look, it's already catching up with us. Again, inflation is a driving factor because of the spending in Washington. People have made that link. They know what's going on. Uh, you know, the Democrats that want to just keep doing it, and they think they can uh, change things around, do budget gimmicks. There are a lot of budget gimmicks, by the way, in that $4.5 trillion spending bill. Sure. Uh, but people see through it. They, they know what's going on, and the Democrats just don't care at this point. That's certainly true, and it's still, I don't like the idea that there are a few Republicans out there who are still making their lives at least a little easier, and I know the audience, I'll tell you, from the uh, sort of base constituency is generally dismayed whenever that does happen. Um, I want to change focus a little bit to the coronavirus. We got the Omicron variant, which all the reports so far are that it's spreading very quickly, but is very mild relative to previous variants. Uh, yet we're still seeing some more draconian measures coming into place, typically in blue states. Um, but is this something that you're afraid of for the economy? Do you have any recommendations or is there anything you're observing that is a positive or negative trend that you're seeing? Yeah, and I brought this up in a hearing that we had yesterday. Uh, where, you know, you look at some of the states that uh, just want to continue to control people's lives. And, and I think now you've got a better opportunity than ever to show the contrast between the governors who believe in people and freedom and say, look, let's follow the science, let's protect people, but we can't shut our economy down. And, and whatever the latest variant's going to be, there'll be other variants that come. Uh, but we've got to recognize that, you know, Frankly, I think one of the big failures of the Biden administration is that they've only been focused on vaccinations, but they don't want to do anything to deal with other alternatives, therapeutics, natural immunity. There's no investigations or hearings that we're having on the power of natural immunity. People that got COVID and survived it. And then what does that immunity give you? It gives you a lot of ability uh, to, to be safe from future variants. And yet they don't want to focus on that because I think they still want to deal with government control. And you can look at all the mandates. And, and there have been multiple mandates now that have been reversed by the courts in, in different states. I know in my home state of Louisiana, the Fifth Circuit Federal Court reversed the mandate on employers of 100 and above. 
you you saw the mandate on healthcare workers. Biden is this is unbelievable. Biden has spent more time trying to focus on mandates that result in healthcare workers getting fired. Uh, contractors, if you're a government contractor, he wants to fire you if you don't get vaccinated. Uh, then you look at what he did uh, with even government workers. It seems like everything he's doing is focused on one thing, and that's just vaccinations. We've seen there's a percentage of people that aren't going to get vaccinated no matter what you threaten them with. Why do you want to keep threatening to take away their livelihood, take away their job if they don't do what you say? How about you focus on getting an FDA commissioner, which almost a year into his presidency, there's still nobody running the FDA. It's a rudderless ship over there. They're not focused on enough on therapeutics and other alternatives. And so I think this is a major failure of the Biden administration. Uh, and, and that's why you see these different variants continuing to give some of these states a desire to just shut everything down again. We've got to stop the shutdowns. We've got to follow the science and let people live their lives again. A last question for you today, Minority Whip Steve, Steve Scalise. Uh, the media and the establishment is talking nothing about uh, nothing but January 6th these days. And we learned from some, uh, some text to Mark Meadows that basically that there was no massive coordinated effort, as far as I could tell, to have some sort of a big riot to overturn the election. Uh, this seems to be completely lost on, on the press. Uh, do you have any reaction to this and how much time needs to be spent on this? And is there any way forward or do we, are we just going to have to endure this for weeks on end? This is all political, and it's all designed by Pelosi as a distraction uh, so that people won't pay attention to the really horrible, devastating policies they're passing. Uh, people don't want to get big government socialism. They know that when Pelosi stacked the commission, when she rejected the picks, you know, when, when Kevin McCarthy was going to put Jim Banks and, and Jim Jordan on the commission, Pelosi rejected that because they don't want the facts to come out. They just want to go after Donald Trump every single day. Uh, they want to try to make the next election about the last election, and people are done with it. They want they want to get health care costs down. They want to get uh, their – when they go to the grocery store, they don't want to be paying 30 percent more uh, for, for meat or, or for anything that they buy there. They don't want to pay $150 to fill up their car when it used to cost them $75, $80, and they know what's driving that. They know it's these radical policies, all this big government socialism, and the Democrats want to try to trick people and change the subject. It's not going to work. Minority Whip Steve Scalise, Republican from Louisiana. I appreciate the time as always. Always great to be with you. Thanks. Merry Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas to you as well. Interestingly, in that interview, when I asked him about Mitch McConnell and what Mitch McConnell's role was in suspending the debt ceiling filibuster rule to make it easier for the Democrats to raise the debt, uh, the congressman did not really take that on directly, which I found uh, noteworthy. And again, it's I'm sure he's got a lot of burdens he's got to carry, but I did kind of want his take on Mitch McConnell, and you kind of gave me the take on Democrats there. So uh, duly noted. All right. Our caller of the day is Chris in New Jersey. We talked to him a little bit about one of my favorite topics, which is tribalism and something that I've become increasingly obsessed with sort of over the last few months, as I've noticed even people on the right who I would like to think um, are uh, 
willing to sort of shuffle their feet and move their opinions when new facts emerge. But I have noticed that we've kind of fallen into this tribal mode uh, across the political spectrum at this point. I think the left is far worse uh, about this, but the right in our online media age has, I, I think, become a little bit more fearful uh, to stand up and be original, to be rugged individualists. And I do want to push back on that trend that I certainly believe is happening. It comes up in today's caller of the day. Let's roll it. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on a previous caller talking about, um, I think it was the educator, I forget her name, but she was talking about, you know, we make all the wrong choices for politicians, but the biggest problem that I in my interaction and try to drive message to, to friends and family or just random people is that it's really like a human nature problem. It's really, you know, for, it's really tribalism, right? I mean, and, and examples for me in the past few years, or anytime you get into any sort of conversation, it could be about immigration, national security, you know, the retort, the immediate retort I get is, oh, oh you're a Trump supporter, right? Which, I mean, yeah, right. Damn, he, he's, he's really, I, I like some of the things he's done, but he's really given like a vehicle for people to see this as like completely black and white. And on the other hand, I hear people talking about, you know, who they're going to vote for, sometimes assuming because I'm socially liberal in some ways that, that I'm a Democrat, which is preposterous. And they'll say, you know, my wife and I are, are Clinton people, right? I mean, and these are people, my brother has a, is a, you know, PhD guy working on top secret things, but he has like no political background. But, you know, it's really just falling into these two camps. And we're such a successful country that I think people just think that things won't change. So the identity politics is, is really all they look at to shift themselves into in the party that they think. And it's those it's that 50-50 split that's just almost, it's almost impossible to break, you know. You're a liberal, you drive a Subaru, you got this little package deal, and and you can't get out of it. Oh, I, I, I know. And this is something, Chris, it's such a big deal. And you guys know, the, who are longtime listeners, I've been talking about the, my fear about tribalism uh, on a constant basis. And I've really seen it during the pandemic where even people on the right who I like very much have really stuck to certain narratives that have moved on, they've changed, and they they don't want to, they are still indulged in those narratives because they don't want to uh, admit they were wrong or they don't want to admit that their favorite friends or their the person they admire the most online is wrong. And it's very toxic. I think we need to be okay with making mistakes. We need to be okay with failing. We need to be okay with changing our minds. Um, and that should be encouraged and complimented. And I think that we are have this inclination to go into a tribe. I don't know why that is, but it is certainly a, a, a issue. It's happening and it's here. And I, I don't know exactly how to stop it other than to recommend people just stop it and just try to think for yourself on a lot of stuff. Okay, thank it, you. Take care. Th thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a conversation with someone who is probably known to the audience, maybe not all of you, um, but they're a person who is mostly with us politically and is just so exhausted by the having to defend Trump all the time. It's not a Trump hater, and it's the but just a every topic has to be Trump, and I know a lot of people are burned out on that. And Trump might well be the best, you know, guy for twenty twenty four. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying it is. There is a, a lot of people who do feel that way. I got That'll do it for me for today. A quick programming note. I think I'm going to be sliding out of the captain's chair for the next few days. We've got some things to handle. I will be speaking at the Turning Point USA America Fest that they have over the weekend. I'll be collecting a lot of interviews we'll be able to play on future podcasts. I encourage you to continue to download the podcast, to hit play, and to check out what's going on. Leave that five-star review and, of course, recommend it to everyone in your life. We really appreciate it. And all of you Breitbart.com readers as well. 
Thanks to producer Haley and producer Greg and Robert Marlowe. And again, we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Mm-hmm.